I'm Rosie. And I'm Wendy. And you're listening to Spilling La Sopa, a podcast about real Latinas, real conversations, real chistosas. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Spilling La Sopa. It's your amiga Rosie here. Hi, everybody. It's Marisol. Hola a todos. This is your amiga Wendy. I wanted to share something with all of you guys. I just realized that I had like a bad dog mom moment the other day. Um, yeah. What happened? Cuéntanos. I know. I'm a little. I'm a little ashamed about it, but I also feel like it's good that I that I was able to get some insight. So the other day, I I only realized that it was a bad dog mom moment. My partner's dog was not responsive to my chancla. What do you mean? What did you do to feed lice? Feed my poor little Fidu. <laughs> so I have a little chihuahua. <laughs> she can be a little bit stubborn sometimes, or or if I were to put it in like trauma response terms, she freezes sometimes. So so I'll I'll tell her to do something, and she doesn't like compute or something. Um, she's she also like she's really small yeah um she also has like a background of like you know gone going through her own trauma so this is why i'm like if i put it in trauma response terms she freezes she doesn't fight or flight but she instead freezes so anyway the other day i was trying to make her do something i think i, I was like in a meeting and she was like scratching something so i wanted her to stop and i was like stop like kind of doing it with my finger like stop it stop it but she wasn't listening so i took my chunk off and i threatened her with it i didn't throw it i never throw anything at her <laughs> you just like waved it at her or what but i You're took like, my chunk off and I, I was like look i'm gonna i'm gonna get you with the shoe and then she was like ah like you know like oh no like, but, no, Mom, uh, don't <laughs> yeah and then i was like oh shoot that's when i realized like man she's responsive to the chancla so that was like positive reinforcement for me because i was like okay now i know she's scared of the chancla i don't have to throw it at her but she'll respond and like be freaked out and stop right so then there there in that moment that was like a reinforcing moment for me. So now then I got into this like space of like showing her my chancla when I wanted her to do things. But then the other day I had both my partner's dog and and my dog, right? They were both you know doing something that I wanted them to stop. So I showed them the chancla. And then my little doggy, she scurried away like, "Go oh, no, like get the chanclas out." And then my partner's dog was looking at me like, "Uh, what are we doing with this chancla human are, are we gonna fetch it are we gonna like well, what do you want me to do with it like he was just like waiting to get like a command with my right. chancla and i was like oh like hello sir this is a fucking lethal weapon right like, <laughs> go somewhere this means do something yeah. exactly <laughs> this means you better stop um and yeah he wasn't responsive to it and and that got me thinking like oh my god like this is not healthy, horrent behavior, right? Um, horrent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's my yeah, favorite that word that's not to healthy behavior, and, and that really got me to think, like, where did that come from? You know, not only did was it reinforced when I saw her respond to it, but why was it also my like first response to like take my shoe off my chancla and you know threaten my little my little chihuahua with it? So yeah, that's where I'm at. That's what I ended up thinking about. Yeah, dude, I love that word, parents. That's what, <laughs> what I've been saying. My my uh, partner and I just got a dog, and so we're, we're new parents. I get the story, Wendy. I haven't tried, uh, you know, I haven't tried to threaten my, my little doggy with anything. He's too small, like, no entiende, you know? Like, I yell at him, and he just looks He's at me. so cute. Just, like, all in love. Aww. You know, and I'm like, I'm mad at you. Don't look at me right now. <laughs> so cute. Um, but this is a good segue to our topic for the day. So when we recorded episode four on trauma, and if you haven't heard it, go listen. It's a really good one. Um, go, go, we go, go. realized that there was so much more to the conversation, right? Like we received a lot of feedback from listeners who wanted to continue to engage in the topic. Um, and that's when uh, Gardenia reached out to talk about her current project um, called uh, Surviving Toxic Madres. So... For the first time on Spilling La Sopa, we have a special guest for you. Yay! So, Gardenia, can you introduce yourself to the listeners? And welcome. Yes. Thank you so much, chicas, for having me be part of the Sopera. Um, <laughs> it's an honor, um, especially because I've been listening to you guys for a minute. And I love what you guys are doing, you know, just bringing real awareness with real topics that a lot of Latinas are afraid to talk about, you know, so thank you. 
Um, I am Gardenia. I am from Fresno, California, but San Francisco has been my home for seven years now. Nice. I proudly live in the Tenderloin, <laughs> right next to Sixth and Market. I am a new mom. Uh, tengo un niño de seis meses, so oh. he's my everything. And I am a publicist as well. And I launched on Mother's Day about two months ago this program. It's a community called uh, Surviving Toxic Madres. And I launched this out of the need from conversations with strangers and friends mm. that we all have some sort of toxic relationship. It's usually with our madres, you know. Um, within the conversations with my friends, even if they're Filipino, Chinese, Latinos, African-American, Indian, it's everywhere within our cultures, you know. But unfortunately, it's mainly in the Latino community. It's higher possible to be there and out of me having a situation throughout the years and now that I'm a mom I realize I can't just vent to mine so I'm going to create a platform for many of us to vent and you know it is a taboo conversation but it's it's been a great conversation and it's helping a lot of people just release that anger that stress that trauma so I'm very happy that I'm here, you know, and we're going to discuss this program with you guys. And spill la sopa también, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Gardenia. Nice. Welcome. Yes, welcome. Thank you. So quick disclaimer to all of our listeners. We just want to make sure that we say this uh, because I think it's just important for everybody you know, of all cultures. And, and we'll talk a little bit more why um, this topic is is uh, special in, in the Latina motherhood culture. But we are not here to bash our mom or throw her under the bus. That's true. Um, so we want to make space to just have the conversation in an organic way and just share like our experiences and, and our, our journeys through through either healing through this or growth or whatever may come up. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Wendy, for, for putting yeah, that disclaimer out there because you're very right. Okay, so let's let's get started then. Um, we usually like to start off our conversations with some questions. So we have our special guest here, Gardenia. So for the first question, Gardenia, one thing that came up when I when I first started to learn more about your project was how do we even identify toxic parenting? Like what what do you look for? What does it look like? Um, how do you know it's happening? That to you or how do you know you're doing it of course that's actually a good question um for me it was more like the name calling like eres una fracasada pendeja to some extent some people have heard you know babosa and estupida which look which luckily i have not heard that unless it's in a novela you know <laughs> um but also one thing that it was really hard for me to understand is that i'm not the vision or the daughter that my mother envisioned for me to be, you know, mm, mm. I am different than her. I have my own career goals. I have my own mentality and beliefs. And, you know, I feel like I've been, I've been carrying that stigma that like, no soy la misma uh, reflexión en el espejo, you know? Right. And that's something that I, I could tell it, bo it bothers her and it bothers me. And, you know, just like the decision makings, you know, like being constantly questioned, you know, like about moving my career, mm. why I don't go to church, you know, the bickering, the yelling, the chancla culture, you know, which a lot of us grew up with. And I've been guilty. I've done it to my dog, Milo, también, <laughs> you know, and my dog, he knows because we're in the sixth floor. So he knows that if he sneaks out to go pee. I grab the chunk and I'm like, Métete para adentro, cabrón, and he runs back inside. You know? <laughs> yeah, so, was the name calling. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. I'm like, and then I'm like, I'm so sorry, papito, I didn't mean to. I'll take you, you know, for a longer walk. I'll give you steak. <laughs> and I realize I'm doing the same thing, and that mm -hmm. that you know, it's just like, damn, I can't believe I, I followed that cycle. But also just like the guilt tripping for making decisions, you know, in our life with our children, not raising them the same way. And, you know, just like enforcing gender norms of our daughters, of our children, like, you know, it's just one thing that I've also seen with my program is a lot of us in this generation, we're not following the same culture beliefs or the same, like, te tienes que casar a cierta edad, tener mm. tus hijos, ser ama de casa. I think with this new era generation, we are more independent. We tend to wait more to get married and have children. I mean, I waited till 30 to have my son, you know, right. and 
within our culture seems like, no, si no tienes un hijo a los 25, mm -hmm. nunca te vas yeah, a ya casar. Ya se te fue el tren. You know, se te fue el, uh, my grandma used to say, se te va a ir el avión. And I'll be like, pues no compré el ticket. You know? yes. <laughs> yeah. Y empacado. Yeah, and, and like, you know, it's ir, I heard that. Pues no tengo un landing destination, but I heard that so much two months before I got pregnant. Uh -huh, like, ya se te fue el avión, and I was like, oh, oh my God, yeah. just the, the stigma, like, que nunca voy a tener un hijo because I'm not following it. And right. the criticism with the culture. And then, boom, pandemic hit and I got pregnant. <laughs> so of course. Kind of like, you know, like, I ran out of... You bought that ticket. Yeah. I, got, I mean... It, pandemic blessings. It because... was. And he was, a, he was a pandemic baby. He was born in mm. December. Oh, so, it, yeah, Christmas baby, you know. Pero, you know, just like also humiliating your children, you know, putting the tribes, you know, to discipline, like... For example, I was forced to go to church um, as a kid. And si no me vestía o hacía lo que decía el pastor, you know, or like you have to, you know, go to the youth group and this and that. I was seen as la oveja negra and then I will have to, you know, like answer at home to my mm. mother. And I noticed that the fear of God was put upon not just me, but a lot of other people that reach out within the surviving toxic mothers community that it tends to be that we get the fear of God put into us. It's like, si no haces lo que dice la, la Biblia, te las vas a tener que ver conmigo en la casa, you know? And yeah. that's another... Gardenia, did you grow up uh, Catholic? Girl, I grew up apostolic. So oh, it's okay. like, it's very strict. Um, I was the oveja negra. Um, you have to wear long skirts, long sleeves, long hair, no makeup. Okay. You have to date within your congregation. And I remember the pastor was obese and he was trying to set me up with a guy from the church. And I, re I actually got kicked out of the praise team because I said, isn't our, bod our body God's temple? Then why are you trying to make me date someone that has diabetes? <laughs> and oof, me, me, me fue con la chancla later that day, mm -hmm. you know, but it was just, you know, I didn't want to follow that norm. That I have yeah. to do what they say. And it was just the fear of like la chancla o el cinto, you know. Yeah, I think I have a very um, similar experience with um, just like being being hurt for the sake of God, right? For the love of, uh, and, and my upbringing was the Jehovah's Witness community. And not to knock on that um, spirituality, but it, it simply was not for me. I think that the, a lot of what I'm hearing Gardenia say was like this denial of, of one's reality, right? Like my reality, was, you know, I was always very um, considered rebelde, ¿verdad? Like, oh, you're, you're going outside of like what's being expected of you. That's right. But yeah, but I was also like the the things that were considered rebelde were normal developmental responses from any human, you know, and I just happened to, you know, really stand up for those those developmental stages and and I'm happy I did, but yeah, I can totally see that impacting our decision making as adults because if we're constantly having a parent or a, a strong attachment figure question our decision making and not helping us be more autonomous then we grow up as adults and decisive adults right like not 100 percent right. sure That's that so we made the right decision for us oh absolutely i mean it's something i still kind of deal with myself it's like i know i did the right choice you know to wait mm -hmm. but to some family members it's like oh then just the criticism that I didn't follow the culture that, you know, my mother was taught, you know. Yeah. And then you said something about like pulling in your tribe to, to discipline like your kids in a way that's like, you know, unhealthy or whatever. I think that does happen a lot in, in our culture because we're like a community based culture, right? like family based. Yeah. And so there's many instances where mothers or fa mothers and fathers pull in grandma or grandpa to discipline you. And my parents used to say like cuando me dejaban, um, like when I wanted to go to my cousin's house or something, me dejaban ir somewhere and they'd be like, okay, aquí se la, se la dejamos con todo y nalgas. Which, which, which meant, which meant like, here she is. If you yeah, need to kick her ass, her. go ahead. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, Girl, like, if you need a discipline, okay. or, like, that's what it meant, right? And, and that's like, I don't know. That's I don't know so if that's true. the same just in my family, but it's like, oh, okay, aquí te lo encargo Probably. con todo y nalgas. You know, so it's like basically that's so funny. you have the authority to discipline, to discipline the child. And I mean, I don't think that, 
Look, in retrospect, like, I didn't think that was a toxic thing that they did. I just think, like, when we're talking Mm -hmm. about, like, the bigger concept, like, pulling in your tribe to discipline your child, like, some people that you're pulling in don't have the healthiest coping (laughs) mechanisms for themselves. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. There's certain people that you may not want to pull in to, to help discipline your child or help, like, raise your child, you know? That's so true. But ironically, now that the tables have turned, I noticed that the parents that were like that, they're so loving and caring to their grandchildren. Can mm. quieren tocarle las nalgas other than change the diaper. Interesting. No, I've yeah. heard that. I've heard yeah. that. I, mm-hmm. I've, I've yeah. heard that from friends. And I think it's also because it's like, okay, they're not my whole responsibility. I can have fun with them. I can be the cool tia, right? Because that's how I am yeah. with my, my, my nephew and my goddaughter. You know, I, I don't discipline them as much because I'm like, I don't have them for that long. So I don't want to I don't want to be the bad guy all the time. That's but one right. thing that I did um, uh, agree with um, when you were saying in the beginning, Gardenia, was about like the name calling. Like, it's funny because my mom always says babosa, but it's also kind of like an endearing term in a way, like, or cabrona. Like, they use it like sometimes as an insult, but a lot of the times in my family, I even call Wendy babosa all the time. I think that's how our relationship began or something yeah. like that. It's just like a word that I use all the time for anything. Um, and so now in my family, it's like, ay, babosa. It's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. It's not like, oh, it is babosa. Like, you're so stupid, you know, in a mean yeah. way. But I wonder if that's also just, like, ingrained in my brain. But it is actually an insult. But, you know, now yeah. I don't take it a- as one. Oh, um, we're normalizing yeah. it. We normalize that's true. it. Exactly. It's like the mm-hmm. word toxica, like you guys mentioned on, on your on your other podcast. You know, how being toxic is becoming, like, a trend now. Mm. I think people are normalizing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and yeah, it, like, it becomes a joke, yeah, right? All these funny mm-hmm. memes about like girlfriend toda loca, and, but it's funny now, right? Es tóxica, pero la quiero. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. Right. Right. Pégame, pero no me dejes. I'm going to jump in. So it's often difficult to identify like these actions as, as toxic, right? And even harder to talk about mm-hmm. them. Like, for example, we're talking about name calling, like the word babosa, you know, for my mom, it was like pendeja, right? It was like, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. she started saying like pendejeta, which is like, I don't know, a cuter version, <laughs> I guess. I don't know, you know what I oh mean? My God. But it's like normalizing <laughs> that language. And like, why, yeah. why do you think it's so hard? And this question is for all of you. Uh, why do you think it's so hard to talk about this concept, right? Or talk to ide- like not only just identify these things as toxic, but to talk about it. I think it's hard to talk about it because we don't want to sound like we're being ungrateful to our parents mm. for everything mm-hmm. that they've done. Um, and, you know, the term like, nunca hables mal de tus padres. But at the same time, it's like, what if they're doing something that's wrong and that's harming you? Why right. can't you speak about it? Um, I know for if my dog could talk, he would be like, mi mamá es bien gacha, you know? <laughs> and I would be like, I get him, Milo. Because sometimes, you know, like, I, I don't have the time or energy to walk him. But when I do, I take him for his little strolls because we live in a mm. tough neighborhood. But, you know, it's just like, for me, it was like, you're deemed if you talk about what's going on at home. You know, and right. then the fear of God was put upon me, you know. Mm. So I think it's hard for us, especially if we're children of immigrants. We do sound like we're ungrateful and privileged. And I think yeah. that's why a lot of people are fearful of talking about it. Um, when I did the, when I started the community, um, I did a survey poll. A lot of people said, can I please be left anonymous because mm. I don't want to sound ungrateful to my parents. A lot of mm-hmm. them were children, you know, first time generations of immigrants, first time college students. So it's just like the fear you know, okay, it is malagradecido, you know, or malagradecido. Yeah, I have to, I have to agree that I think that um, as, you know, a daughter of immigrants myself, like there is a lot of pressure put on you to be grateful, right? Like, and I am grateful. I'm very grateful. Um, But it it just feels like my responsibility to be successful was something that I learned like very early on, right? And, And to be successful, to be what my parents uh, defined as successful, right? To be what they, the idea that they shared of success was something that I adopted. Um, and, you know, m- my parents aren't that old school. Like you're talking about your experience, Gardenia. My parents were actually, they weren't really ever focused on me getting married. Um, I think my mm-hmm. dad's worst fear was that I would be a teen mom. And so he worked like very, yeah. di- very hard on like drilling that <laughs> thought in. 
And he was very big on education. Right. And my mom was too, Mm. but my dad, it was more of like the framing, like, you know, you have to go to school to be successful. Like you have to go to school so that you don't have to be a janitor like me or so that you don't have to do gardening like me. So you don't have to be a cook like me. So I, I, I hear your point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing besides the immigrant thing, for me, I grew up with a single mom. And -hmm. so it's also like, you know, like not being grateful that this person, right gave up so much, sacrificed so much so that my sister and I could be where we are right now, right? Have an education, have our careers, especially as a single mom. I think maybe you're uh, maybe a little bit even more toxic in a way because you have to play both roles, the good cop and the bad cop, right? The breadwinner, but I also have to be at home. Like, how do I balance all of these things? And because of that, I... I don't see my mom as toxic and I'm sure she has all her toxic, you know, behaviors that I now can, you know, inherited. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I also see her as like, you know, uh, my hero in a way, right? Because she has empowered me to, to be strong, to be independent. Um, and so with that, again, it, it's hard to identify those, a toxic parent because you're like, no, you know, she has worked so hard and, I also, I work with foster youth and our foster Mm -hmm. youth, a lot of their parents have abused them, neglected them, yet I still see them. Oh my God, they try so hard to keep their family together and try to talk to their parents. They give their financial aid to their parents to help them out. And their parents are still like not fully there or they're still Mm -hmm. like being, you know, abusive, et cetera. But I think it's so ingrained our two in our culture. Uh, that family is everything that family comes first no matter what no matter what they do to you your family comes first and um, I think that's a big role that that is also played into our culture yeah and to add to that um, Mari I I think it's you know one a culture thing is like nature versus nurture right so the Mm -hmm. nurture would be the culture piece but just in general like human beings we are going to be close to our attachment figures like whoever brought up, brought us up or whoever we're we view as our initial community mm-hmm. we're obviously gonna be want we're gonna want to be close to them and and take care of them even if they're being unhealthy towards True. us one of the things that uh that's coming up for me too as we're like having this discussion is like i just wanted to make sure the listeners know this but we none of none of us here at spilling la sopa are mothers and mm-hmm. gardenia is a mother and she's sharing that you know her experience with that um and you know i, I brought up my my little chihuahua but you know i just wanted to extend it to other areas for example i feel like because my mom was a single mom i had people in the neighborhood also raising me and including in my school right like my low-income um neighborhood also i think um has has a teachers that show up as a parent for you and a lot of times those teachers in the hood they are hood teachers Mm -hmm. so (laughs) like (laughs) yeah they're hood teachers like they don't they will call you names too they will yell at you and they will try their best to like help you shape help shape you and I had so many experiences with with teachers you know showing up as as toxic parent you know like you better do this how do you why don't you know what two plus two is you know like so yeah like that made me think about how even though we might not have kids ourselves we have experience being other people's children like teachers or us us treating other people like children right like maybe young Mm -hmm. friends that are younger than us um and even even practicing you know unhealthy behaviors with with these relationships that we might view as younger quote unquote yeah or even with our partners like sometimes i feel like not that i'm I'm my partner's parent but sometimes my mom comes out i'm like trying to clean his kitchen and clean his bathroom like i know we go to my my sister's house and the first thing my mom does se pone a limpiar the vents se pone a limpiar las paredes and my sister's like like my sister takes it as an insult like is my house not clean enough right and i and then i start doing the same thing right (laughs) (laughs) she's invited bring her over (laughs) i know right and then i start cleaning my sister's house too and then my sister just gets so like defensive like why are you guys cleaning 
And we're like, for me and my mom, it's like, cause we, that's how we show you that, like, that we want appreciation. Yeah. Yeah. So that you don't have to stress taking care of the baby, taking care of your husband. Like, we're going to help you clean. But she's like, get the heck out of my kitchen. Like, stop cleaning, stop moving things. Right. Um, but, and, and so it's our toxic trait. And it's, I learned it from my mom. Like, I clean all the time for everything. And if something's not clean, I have mad anxiety. Uh, mm-hmm. But other people will take that as toxic. Like you're coming to my house and like trying to clean my house. That's rude. You know, yeah. <laughs> so that's Dude, my funny. mom did that to me. She came to visit and it was like, you know, for her first time seeing the place. And I left her alone. It was a one bedroom apartment in San Francisco and not pale. It was small. I left her <laughs> alone for like five minutes. I went to go park the car or something. I came back and she was cleaning the blinds. And I'm like, mom, like. <laughs> then before she got there like i know how she cleans right so i was like you know what i'm clean i'm cleaning the baseboards today i'm cleaning all this but i, for- I forgot the blinds you know and i was just like how did you even yeah. see that and she's like ah no déjame yo te ayudo and i was like no mom you're my guest like siéntate you know siéntate déjate de right, algo tomar right, yeah. and she's like ah no de- si no me dejas me enojo and she was just like kind of laughing like giggling and then you know cleaning the the blinds and so i you know i didn't take offense to it i'm just like okay yeah like that's my mom but i could see your your uh, sisters yeah. like cuz it does kind of feel like damn sir you're saying it's not clean damn. if you're uh, coming as a guest yeah. and, and cleaning yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that's yeah. funny i mean my grandma is like that too but and my mom when she used to come she'll make a mess it was the opposite so yo estoy limpiando. So that's that's why I think it's funny because it's for me it was the opposite, right? And that reminds me of like our next question too. Like, how does it become transgenerational, right? And I think we're we're talking a little bit about that. Um, how does so, ladies? How does it become transgenerational? <laughs> yeah, well, I was thinking just about my initial story with my little chihuahua. Like, you know, it becomes transgenerational because there it's internalized parenting that you know I've taken right like without without thinking about it twice it was just very automatic for me to like let me use my chancla to get my needs met right as 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 a per- person in power right like I'm I'm my chihuahua's human right but <laughs> I'm also like that's a power role too right like my my mm-hmm. chihuahua's gonna you know eat when I tell her to eat right and She's going to go out and for a walk when I'm ready to take her out for a walk. So, so it's like I think that it's it's thinking about that and how s- certain like parenting styles become like so internalized that they become a part of our daily like thought process. And the other example I have is like me laying down watching TV and just like chilling. I sometimes have these internalized like parenting thoughts where I'm like, huevona. You know, I'm like, who the, why am I talking to myself like that? But it's like internal. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, are you in the room? Like, yeah, like, like, dang, lady, leave me alone. Do you have a full time job? (laughs) That's, that's, that's a good one, though. I think also like just adopting our our parents' parenting style. Like you know, I, I don't mm-hmm. have kids yet. I'm a new I'm a new parent, but I didn't have any pets in the house growing up, so I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like reading and and doing other things. But I think that um, some of the parenting techniques that my parents did with us, I think that they were good parenting techniques. And other things, I'm like, yeah, you know, if I have kids, I don't think that I'm gonna do that, or I think that I would do that different. Mm. That's true. I mean, for me, now that I'm a mom. I do not follow the same parenting techniques that I was implemented as a kid. Um, my baby, obviously, todavía no habla. He's barely trying to crawl. You know, he's still little. But for me, I promise myself that if my son, even now when he poops, he's like, mm, 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 you know, making his little squeaks. I already know, okay, he's poo-poo. He has a dirty diaper. Like, I try to listen to my child. And that's one thing I promise myself is that instead of, like, levantarle la voz, it's like, okay, mijo. What's wrong? Talk to me. Because that's something that I did not have grown up. It was all like, get to tres ahora, you know, and I want to be nurturing to my son because he already was born with so much trauma. I had such a horrible pregnancy between the pandemic, Black Lives Matters, you know, my moving, being homeless, you know, it was a very tough pregnancy. The last thing I want is for my son to deal with more trauma. So I gave him a lot of love. But I don't overfeed him with love because I want to discipline him too. But appropriately, um, I promised myself that I'm not going to use el cinto, la chancla, 
o el matamoscas to threaten okay. him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 don't, don't forget that. Yeah, that shit hurts. By chance, was one of the name calling Mosca? Like, <laughs> did, no. she, did, she, did she ever call you Mosca so she could use the Matamosca? Yeah, la, la Mosca <laughs> Muerta. Oh, oh damn. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. That, that shit I'm hurts. Sorry. Yeah. El, el, el Matamosca hurts, especially when they wet it. You don't want that. You know, Dang. but those are things that they did, you know, back in El Rancho, you know, like, you know, back in Mexico. Yeah. Here, you know, you can't do that. For sure. But for me, it's like I promised myself that I want to listen to my child first. Before I make a decision on how to discipline him, like, okay, mijo, okay, see, then even though he's still little, I could tell he's already getting sneaky. Like, he wants mama's attention, tan brasilado, you know, and I'm mm. like, okay, mijo, you gotta be, do your playtime, you know? So I'm just trying to break the cycle of yelling and, mm. you know, like jumping into conclusions, like, oh, que quieres ahora? It's like, mijo, que tienes, you know? And mm -hmm. I notice now that I have a group of girlfriends that we all had the same toxic upbringing you know um we all got pregnant at the same time during the pandemic and some of them don't talk to their mothers you know but we've all discussed that we want to be better for our children we don't want to raise them with trauma because you know they already were born into trauma and we're trying to break that cycle también. so yeah. i think we're all just trying to like learn how to be good parents and just break the cycle you know one day at a time And, you know, of course, one baby tantrum at a time, también, you know, because those are yeah. coming. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And that's probably also hard. Like, how do you not, you know, uh, impose trauma onto your children? Because I'm sure, as, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I am a, my, you know, I am a tia. And kids are frustrating, right? And yeah. I see my sister trying mm -hmm. to keep her cool. And sometimes she's just like, stop it, you know, because mm -hmm. you just have to discipline in a certain way. So I've heard, I think I heard in a movie or in a book, I don't know where. But like, we're always going to impose some sort of traumatic experience onto our children because we're not perfect. And there's no way yeah. you can be perfect because there's no way they can keep your cool all the freaking time. Right. Especially with the child. So, you know, how how do we kind of do that? How do we not impose more trauma on our kids, which I think it's it's sometimes it's impossible Right. Yeah. And Gardenia, you made the, the point, you know, like one of the things that you can do as a mother to break free from that toxic cycle. But what are some other things that we can do? I think boundaries. Like, for example, for me, when I was having issues with my, you know, madre, um, just a name calling and everything, I had to set the boundary that like, you're not going to see me and my child and you're not going to be welcome in my home until you learn to value me and respect me mm. and my family, too, because I do not want to bring the negativity Um, I know a lot of people within the survey, they said that they're setting boundaries. Most of them have children now, and they don't want that trauma to be carried on, not because of them, but because of las abuelas or los abuelos or the, you know, just the family generations. And that's the number one thing, boundaries, and be firm with them. I know it's easy to break them, but without taking like a solid, like for example, me and my mom, we had a situation, you know, about a week ago. She called me. She apologized. Um, she was sincere about it. And she then called the father of my child. And he's like, yeah, she sounded very sincere, you know. And she was like, you know what? Like, estuvo mal lo que te dije. I acted out of rage. I miss you. And I miss my, my grandbaby. I want to watch him grow and help you out. Because we've been struggling with childcare. I appreciated her apology. I appreciated her flowers. But I still have my boundary. Again, no, no, like I don't trust, I don't want to overstep that because it's been overstepped a few times. So just like things setting solid boundaries because at the end of the day, the children, I don't feel like children should be punished, especially if we have the blessing of still having, you know, like the grandparents. A lot of people don't have their parents alive, especially after COVID. A lot of my friends lost their parents during COVID, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so I don't want to take that away from my grand, from my son. But at the same time, it's like, if you don't respect, respect the boundaries, ahí está la puerta, you know? Yeah. So I think that's something that we just have to be very strong on it. Yeah, I like um, I like when you mentioned boundaries, Gardenia, because I think that every time I think about boundaries in the beginning, um, in the beginning when I first started to learn about boundaries, I always started, I always learned them as as boundaries for others, right? Yeah. Like I am setting boundary for the other person, right? But You know, with with time, I also started to learn that I boundaries also is a two way street, right? Like mm -hmm. I have to set a boundary for myself too, 
Um, and it's, it's not just for others. So when it comes to like my relationship with my mom, um, setting boundaries with her is one one way of the street. But the other way was also setting boundaries with me. Like I think that I found myself in spaces where I wanted to um, make like make my mom heal me from whatever trauma I went through with her. Like I wanted her to show up a certain way because she messed up right and I you know I've had this conversation with my sisters too like I have one sister in particular that is very strong on her stance with really <laughs> wanting to make my mom like you know um know pay. that she messed up mm -hmm. right yeah in other words like pay right like no she was she was a bad mom she did x y and z to us right so what I mean by boundaries for myself it's like emotionally me also understanding that it's my responsibility as an adult to heal me like my mom did what she did and I'm not saying that that that's like kind of disregards her or, or she's let off the hook or whatever like but I need to let allow her to show up like the mom that she is for adult Wendy um, and any other like hurtful things that I went through as a kid at, at this point as a, it's a 30 you know 30 plus year old person like it's my job to heal that part of me and and verbalize to my mom this is how I would like you to show up um, right. for me mm -hmm. and, and not completely take like a child role. Like I think sometimes I do witness some of my siblings that, that still, you know, engage in tantrum, adult tantrums. Um, and I think that's too damaging, right? That's continuing the cycle, right? It's like regresandole la, con la misma cachetada, mm -hmm. right? The mom. So it's kind of like, okay, well, I understand that, you know, things didn't didn't go so well and there was a lot of trauma in the family. But part of breaking the cycle is not repeating those behaviors right. and those stories um, in any way, right? Not towards your mom and not towards your offspring. Um, and then I, I guess I'll, I'll, the last thing I'll say in this area is that breaking a cycle is a lot of work. So if That's you're the right. only, yeah. So if you're the only person that you, f that you feel that is working on this, it's like it's so overwhelming and a lot of work. Don't feel the pressure of the world on you, right? It's like do what you can, give it your best shot, and then give the baton to the next generation. <laughs> that's so true. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do with my son, um, giving the best shot. I mean, I, I didn't get passed on how to be a mother from like my family. When I had my son, it was during the pandemic. So I had to learn everything on my own because I didn't have the support. Even when my postpartum depression, you know, it was just really rough. And I did a lot of reading and honestly, you have to do a lot of self healing too. So you don't pass it on to your children or your pets, you know, my dog's callejero. So that's a different story, <laughs> you know, but I mean, he's from friends and he's living the life in the city. But for me, it's like, <laughs> I, I had to take a deep look into like, what do I want for my child? Because I brought a child into this world. I want to give him the best. No lo quiero chiquear. Porque chiqueando se echan a perder los chiquillos también. They're like, they become privileged, you know? I don't want to do that. But I want to discipline him when I know he's wrong. Or, you know, and right. teach him right and wrong. And I know stranger danger is going to be an issue down the road because he loves to smile at every person on the bus. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so I'm so like, cute. oh, man. It's going to be hard to teach you about that. But, you know, I think nurturing our children, even our pets, you know, like, like fetal lives. But, you know, also just healing. It takes us fetal to lives. heal, mm -hmm. to um, to be able to, to feel better. And that's one thing I tell everybody on this platform. Even if you don't want to share your story publicly, you're welcome to share just because sharing helps you op like heal that wound. You know, you feel mm -hmm. like you le se te quito la carga de, de tu espalda, you know, and that's how right. I feel talking about it. And a lot of people, they call me, they don't want to share who they are. They want to make it anonymous and that's fine. And they mm -hmm. tell me and I, I'll be at work and I'll be on the phone with them for an hour and a half. I don't even know their first name. They're just letting it out sometimes. And I became like a counselor and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think just the beauty that they say, thank you. I feel 10 times better. And it's the part of healing that it's very important for us. Even if you're not in good terms with your parents, the fact that you let it out, you're setting your boundaries and you feel better about yourself, that you don't have to carry that burden or that stigma or el peso, you know, 
on top mm-hmm. of you because you're dealing with that situation at home. Yeah, I think that's yeah. that's important. Um, just having a conversation. And I know that I understand that this is not the case for everyone. I have heard some people say, well, you know, I can't talk to my parent about this. They just don't. They're just not going to be receptive. Yeah. But I feel like there's been times where I've already assumed things right about my parents. Like mm-hmm. I've already assumed this is going to go well. This is not going to go well. And then they surprise me. Right. Because they're their own person and they're also growing and changing. And so something maybe that I, I feel like, oh, yeah, I know my mom is going to react this way. And then she doesn't. It, you know, she reacts differently. And I'm like, oh, and like different for the better, in my opinion. I'm I'm like surprised, you know, so I think having a real conversation with your parent, if you feel that they are engaging in these toxic practices and then also realizing that we have some toxic patterns, too, and we did mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. pick up all of those from our home necessarily, right? We we don't pick up all our toxic traits from our parents. There are other places where those can come from, right? Definitely. Um, That's so true. And for me, I think just like the boundaries, um, like you, Gardenia and Wendy, you, you ladies mentioned in the beginning, I think boundaries are super important, but they're also the hardest ones to put, put right? I tell my students all the time, like, stop giving your parents your financial age as, you know, like the, the lejitos se ven más bonitos, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and But it's hard to, to do that, right? Put those type of boundaries. Um, I remember when I was younger, one day me and my mom got in this argument and she said something super toxic that still stays with me. I've obviously forgiven her, but I, I don't even know what we're fighting about, something like dumb. And then she said, well, no wonder your ex-boyfriend left you, right? Dang. And I was like, oh! Uh, how dare you oh uh, that hurt so bad because i was like first of all i broke up with him number one (laughs) number two even if if it would have been the other way around like that's fucked up like that's that's really hurtful because this was my first boyfriend i was like in love like madly in love you know and so it was really Mm. hurtful and and because of that i did i have put up a boundary with my mom like i don't tell her about all my relationships or Mm -hmm. uh you know or every single detail about my relationship because i don't want her to eventually use it as a weapon um against me but um I have, you know, like talked more to my mom about like my relationships, blah, blah, blah. And I think we have both grown. Like I know what to share, what not to share, even with mm-hmm. just random people, even with my best friends or things I keep to myself. And I think that's healthy, right? Again, putting those boundaries, but also not trying to um, like neglect my mother or my friends. Uh, so it's like a boundary that that has to, that, that that's hard to put up, but it's very much needed for everybody's well-being, I think, right? So that these fights don't come about, but you also feel like I could talk to my mom, right? Uh, for me, I think my mom is like my best friend, like le digo a lot. But after that day, I've also learned you don't have to tell everybody everything, Marisol, you know, and, and yeah. that's okay. That's tough. Yeah. I I do want to, I was just thinking about something as I heard um, Rosie and Mari um, share their, their thoughts. You know, I one of the things that came up is is just the facts that being a mom is is hard it's like you are not you're under a a, a high level of distress right like you have the responsibility of a human being especially newborn babies there's no sleep right the mm-hmm. studies biologic biological studies show that lack of sleep can create you know some some manic psychotic you know like <laughs> yeah. you can yeah. fucking lose yeah you can lose your shit just because you're not sleeping well and consistently mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure and then i'm i'm only even adding all those things to a single mom like this the, being a mom is not easy like biologically already yeah. right like we can we can say all we want about culture and, and what we learn about culture but biologically it's such a rough experience because your body is trying to constantly, right, it, uh, adjust to the changes that a little human is going through. <laughs> and I think that when I think about those things, it allows me to put my mom in a human space, right, humanize her. Like if she's somebody that went through all this stress and, and, and if you're a mom yeah. that has many kids, right, like, holy hell, it's going to be really hard to be like, Hello, my dear son. What's bothering what you, you like? today? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Is, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to lose your shit, right? And and I just want to, I wanted to say that because I feel like, 
you know, I think it's part of the human experience to lose your shit when you have kids, you know, because <laughs> it's 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 biologically appropriate almost to say, right? We're not always going to be like this these these amazing humans that are just compassionate and calm. It's like you can cultivate that like monks cultivate their love and compassion because they're in complete silence yeah. for, <laughs> yeah. for several several like five, like months months, months in yeah. advance right and they, it's not silent with a baby crying yeah. all the time pooping and you're not sleeping yeah. x y and z and so. that's so funny that you mentioned that because i remember uh not so long ago i watched this video of kim kardashian went into the restroom trying to avoid her daughter and she's like doing her makeup and then her daughter comes in and she's like and, and, and kim kardashian was like what can mommy have like a few minutes right and the girl was like that was rude right but even rich people who have all the help in the world 10 nannies 10 cooks whatever they're still running away from their kids because they also need their own time right so imagine somebody who has no help it's a single mom yeah. 10 kids like wow yeah. yeah i mean i don't know if you guys ever saw sex in the city too Mm-hmm. Um, we did the part where Charlotte's it. losing it oh, and yeah. she's like mommy needs a minute and she goes in the closet La and pobre. she cries right. mm-hmm. that reminded me of me because I've had those situations where, like my baby's crying I hold him and he's throwing a fit and he's you know and I'm like mommy needs a minute and my dog looks at me like I know <laughs> and you know I just sit on the corner and I cry but also one thing that I want to add is like a lot of women you're already dealing with postpartum depression and that can linger for Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. If you're a single mom and you're in such a bad toxic relationship and, you know, like, it's going to carry on more. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I've learned and what I've noticed too. Um, So, I mean, because I grew up with a a single mom of, you know, we were three kids, we lived in shelters when we came to America and my mom had three little ones. But there was a woman tenía seis niños, and I will mm. never forget she was going through it. And I think just mm-hmm. that's one thing that I didn't understand till I had my baby that that's real. Mm-hmm. It will yeah, affect yeah. you. And mm-hmm. I noticed that like it could affect my mom, my friend's mom could be going through it because they can't see their grandkids, you know. So it's something that sometimes you know, like you said, uh, mommy needs a minute, but. You know, this is the trauma. It will build up and it will come and bite you back in, you know, down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and Charlotte also did that very uh, graciously. Like, mommy needs a minute. Other people are like, a la chingada, con todo. Right? Like, the way that she's, uh, that, <laughs> yeah. that was very white, right? Like, Mexicans were going to yell and cuss and throw stuff, right? I The kid's all confused. Like, uh, like I am I'm doing that. I'm really, <laughs> when you hear, hija de tu madre, and I'm like, but aren't you yeah. my mother? You yeah. know, like, I, yeah. My sister. So, I, I've been talking about my puppy, right? We got a puppy, and he's a puppy. He's, like, small. He's teething. He's biting everything oh man um, my sister came mm-hmm. to visit and um she was playing with him and he's like biting her and biting her and biting her and she's like i've been waiting forever to say this and she kind of looks at me and then she looks at the dog and she's like Vete chingar a tu madre por allá. and i was like cracking <laughs> up because that's what my mom would say to us you know i think when we got when we pushed <laughs> right. her to the like mommy needs a minute to uh, the mexican mom version she was like yeah Vete chingar a tu yeah. Madre por allá. like please <laughs> And so I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. She just looked at me. And she's like, I've been waiting for a long time to say this. <laughs> My whole yeah. life. Mm. <laughs> That's real. That's uh, real. Because I've been waiting to say it. But I can't say it to nobody except my perro, you know? Mm. And he Aww. just looks at me like, really? But my dog is canijo, you know? Like, he mm. has his, he's a street dog from Fresno. So, he's being in heat and he's been humping oh, things. Oh and, you know, he, he likes to uh, sniff things. And I'm like, no. And when he went through a diaper... You know, and he opened a poo poo diaper oh and he was throwing up. I'm like, hijo de puta madre. You know, like I was just so mad. <laughs> well, thank you so much, ladies. This has been a really great and I think honest discussion. Uh, there was yeah. a lot we talked about it. And in wrapping up today's episode, um, I just wanted to ask you, ladies, if you have a final note, a final thought for nuestro público. I want to say thank you for allowing me to be spilling la sopa today. I mean, I hope this is not one of, you know, just one episode. Maybe you could do more down the road. This was really good. Um, But also, I would like to end this on my note that you can love your mother, even if it's from a distance. Um, That's one thing that it's been repeatedly said on on Surviving Toxic Madres platform. A lot of people are like, I love my, my, you know, them, pero de distancia. 
you know, mm-hmm. you could wish them well, send them all the good energy, but from a distance. And I've done that before in the past. Um, and I think that's part of the coping mechanism of healing. Once you're in a better place, then maybe you could open the door a little bit and take baby steps, but always love them from a distance también. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll share uh, my final note. I, I like to say to just have compassion for both yourself and your parent, right? I know in this segment, we've been talking mainly about mothers, but I think this applies to parents, right? Your dad, or if you grew up with your grandparents, who were your parents? Um, I think mm-hmm. uh, being patient with yourself and compassionate with yourself and also remembering that they're human beings too, right? They're going to make mistakes too. Right, right. And I'll piggyback right on that, Rosie. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I think that part of, you know, we talk a, lo- a lot about healing journey and part of you engaging in your healing uh, requires your own accountability. Yeah. Um, and you can't do that for your parents. Like you can't make them be accountable. So it's just like, even though even though your mom sucks sometimes or she, <laughs> or she did really horrible things back in the days, um, I, I might still be doing them. Um, she's still human and, mm-hmm. and humanizing her allows you to kind of do some form of detachment um, from that like bond that you have as like like child and mother um, and then you can see her as an actual human and, and maybe that even helps setting boundaries right because if, if we're you know viewing viewing the mother as, as like I said the parent the power role then it's harder to set boundaries it's harder to really you know get your your message across so maybe humanizing the parent mm-hmm. allows you to like kind of step back a little bit and and really treat them like a human that's so true mm-hmm. and then i'm gonna get a little philosophical here as gandhi <laughs> said you know be the change you want to see in the world i think that you know you can break the cycle that's and it starts with you mm. so thank you so much gardenia for being here today if you're all thank interested you, in following miss gardenia's instagram account her handle is Surviving Toxic Madres. And we will, of course, tag her on our episode so that you can all give her a follow and hear all the great things that her Instagram platform is doing for our community. Thank you all. Y pues hasta la próxima. Thank you, chicas. And keep spilling the sopa. Thank you. Later. <laughs> <laughs>